Changed by Love is the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills, located in Dover, New Jersey. Our desire is to teach the Word of God with passion and simplicity, as well as a direct application for our lives. With that in mind... Paul is not talking about our love for Christ. It seems to me that he thinks that a big part of all of our problem and the Ephesian church problem and every believer's problem is not that we don't love Christ enough, although we probably don't, but the reason we don't, the problem is we don't grasp Christ's love for us. That's the problem. We don't appreciate Christ's love for us. Prayer is often considered to be one of the hardest things for Christians to do consistently. Why do you think that is? In Ephesians chapter 3, the Apostle Paul teaches us that one reason might be our struggle to grasp and experience the love of God towards us in Jesus Christ. The Apostle teaches us that experience will change the way we think, live, and pray. In other words, understanding and experiencing the love of Jesus Christ will change everything, including the way we pray. The concepts we are able to learn about today are of the utmost importance, but also require the Apostle to be very open and honest about how this change takes place. To learn more and to be changed, here's Pastor Jim. He wants to give us power. And verse 17, he wants to give us love. Now, people will often say, well, which is, it? Which is, this, which is this love? Is it, is it love for God or is it love for people in the church? Remember, he's writing to a church. I would answer the question this way. Fellowship with God and not the family of God does not compute in the hearts and minds of the Bible writers. They're one and the same. We experience the love of God And then the love of God is then, God fills us with so much, it should be coming out our socks, and then we are then to be able to share it with other people. And so what is he doing right now? He is basically praying the theological realities of everything we have learned up to this point would become practical realities in our lives. So we're not tadpole Christians. You remember what they are? Big heads, little bodies, bunch of fat heads. You know, all full of theological knowledge and no love. You, you, if you've done a hospital visit, you've probably seen them. They came to visit the person in the bed next to you. And as soon as they come, the person's reaching for the bell to call the nurse. They're like, get this room person out of my room. They're going to kill me. That is, not, that is not the kind of Christian we want to be. We want the theological realities, and he's going to take us to that in the next chapter, to become practical realities, to, to become the real thing. This reminds us of a very, very important fact, that the teaching of the Word of God and our prayers go together. They, 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 there's a deep-rooted connection between them. The, the, the teaching of the Word of God, the Word of God itself, helps us know how to pray and what to pray for. Now, the Apostle Paul is not a phony faith guy. 
He doesn't separate faith from what some people would call the real world. When somebody says to you, uh, you just don't live in the real world. Well, you want to you either admit maybe you're talking like you don't live in the real world, or you want to counter that and say, no, no, as a Christian, I totally live in the real world. He knows that we all need, and he did too, strength and power on the inside to live the Christian life. We all need strength and power on the inside from the Holy Spirit, which enables us to fight the spiritual warfare that is constantly going on in our soul in order to fight off sin and to love people. I mean, it's just a lot easier not to get involved, isn't it? It's just like, I'm not going to get involved. This is too messy. And he knows, okay, that when, when you or I try to preach the gospel with our life and with our lips, what do I mean by that? By the way we live and the way we speak to people, it is very easy, and some of you know this where you work and in your homes and in your, in your families, with your friends, in your neighborhood, when you try to preach the gospel with both your life and your lips, it is so easy to feel powerless and alone. And here he's praying that we wouldn't feel that. Yeah, we might be powerless in and of ourselves, but the Spirit of God is power, empowering us, and we might feel alone on a human level, but we're definitely not alone on a, on a vertical level, in terms of God being with us. The Apostle Paul knows the difficulties of life. He's sitting in prison. You know, he'd preach and he'd get beat up, he'd get put in jail, having all kinds of problems. He knows the difficulties of life. He knows that followers of Jesus need to know and experience the reality of Christ's powerful presence in their life. And this is why so many people don't have really great walks with God. This is why so many people find themselves falling into the same sins over and over again. Because in, if you will, the down times, they don't, have not experienced the reality of Christ's powerful presence. So when they get into that situation of temptation or difficulty, they hear his voice and they know that it's him that's talking. Now, when we talk about the Holy Spirit, and the Apostle Paul is the, is the apostle of the Spirit, and I try to make a big deal out of the Holy Spirit because I know that most of us have come from backgrounds where we've been taught either extremely weird stuff about the Holy Spirit or absolutely nothing about the Holy Spirit. And, and we, don't, we don't want to do that because he is mentioned so much in, in the Bible. We want to make sure that, that he, is, he is nothing like the force in Star Wars. Right? That, that's not Christianity. That's not Christianity. The person of the Holy Spirit is the one who makes Christ known to us. He supplies us. He supplies the inner man with the power to live for Christ, as well as the experience of comfort or confidence, or both, of Christ in difficulty. 
Now, we live in a world that focuses on and emphasizes the outer man. But the Apostle Paul keeps us grounded with a focus on the inner man. He says, he tells Timothy, bodily exercise profits a little, but, but we are to be focused on the inner man. In verse 17, he says, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Now, that sounds like just, just spiritual gobbledygook. It really does. Without a robust theology of the Holy Spirit. Because Jesus isn't here. He's gone. He doesn't live. People are like, oh, I wish he was still here. Why? He lives in the Middle East. We're in America. No, no, no. With a robust theology of the Holy Spirit, you can know that the Spirit of Christ is with you at all times. We must understand the person, power, and work of the Spirit. Now, unfortunately, it seemed to work, but now it seems to have backfired. Every time we have an idea where we're smarter than God, it seems to work for a little bit. God's like, okay, I'll let the rope out a little. And then all of a sudden, like, oh, bring that one in. For a while in the church, we sort of had this, this very popular thing, uh, and it's not as so much around anymore, uh, the, the popular thing of inviting Jesus into your heart. Now, now, in language of Galatians, he says that he sends the Spirit of Christ. You didn't invite him. I, I'm always, I understand what people mean, but they're like, oh, Lord, we invite you here. Like, <laughs> he doesn't need our invitation. <laughs> he invites us. <laughs> he doesn't need, need our invitation. Like, God's like, oh, thank you so much. You know, let me RSVP and thank you. I'm so happy you invited me. Uh, this is the God of the universe. Let's get real. But the thing that, that where it backfired was, for a lot of people, inviting Jesus into your heart was walking an aisle, and it was a one-time thing. So you, some of you might have friends. I, I got a neighbor who's like, you know, hey, pff, I invited Jesus into my heart. Preacher said I could be saved if I just walked down that aisle, invite him into my heart. I did that in 1993. Stop talking about Jesus. See, because a lot of people think it's a one-time thing. It's like a life insurance policy. You know, I just buy it for the rest of my life, and, and, and it kicks in, and, and, and it's over. But that is not what the word dwell means. The word dwell means to settle down. What, what Paul is telling us here is what he's praying for us is that we would have the Holy Spirit have a permanent dwelling in our hearts, now, does that mean that he's just, oh, yes, of course, you can come and live here. It's great. The more, the merrier. No, that's not what it is. You know, bring the chips, Holy Spirit. That's, that's not what this is. This, he's talking about, when he talks about the Spirit living in our heart, he's talking about that the Holy Spirit would have permanent ruling authority in our lives. That the Holy Spirit would be our guide and would rule us. In other words, the, the, the Apostle Paul is praying for the continuing work of the Holy Spirit in our lives from the moment of conversion, or you could even say pre-conversion, through conversion, through the Christian life, onward into eternity. So, the, so, so the, the impact of the Spirit of our lives, on our lives, would always be there. 
And this idea of impact and influence of the Holy Spirit making himself at home in our hearts is one of the biggest parts of the Christian life. It is absolutely huge. When you understand this, you begin to understand that I can only live the Christian life by being guided by the word of God and the spirit of God. This is how we change. People are like, oh, I just want to change. I was doing so good, and then you know, I, I messed up. No, this is, this is how we change. This is how we become more like Christ. As the Holy Spirit turns our heart's affections towards Jesus. Now, let me ask you an honest question. Is that what you really think is going on in the church in America? Really? Do you, do you, do you see a group of people whose, whose hearts and affections are completely towards Christ? You know, I, I remember when, when Pam and I first met, we went to visit her parents with a group of people because they had this house on a lake in Maine. And they told her, that one who owns the trucking company has his eye on you. <laughs> and then my mother met her. And she's like, that's the girl you're going to marry. I said, Mom, come on. I brought plenty, plenty of girls home. And she says, yes, but you, she's the only one that turns you into a thousand-watt light bulb. <laughs> you, see, you see, that is what? That is the affections. That is the affections. The the other day I was teasing her. I said, yeah, maybe I should trade you in. She says, it's taking you almost 30 years to break this model and you ain't trading me in. So that shows you how things change. <laughs> but but, but those, that's what affections are. Would you say that's the affections that people have for Jesus? Does, does the sporadic church attendance in America scream the affections for Christ? Does everybody coming in late or, or doing, doing whatever they want to do or not spending any time for Jesus. Does that explain? When you have tremendous affections towards someone, what do you want? You want to be with them all the time. You want to be with them all the time. And you want to be with people who, who love them. And, and that affection, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you this tonight. If you're, if you're really struggling with with, with some sin or something just seems to have a noose around your neck, that affection changes everything. That love of Jesus even makes persecution tolerable. Even when people are making fun of you or telling you you're some weird Jesus freak, you're like, yeah, I am. I am. Because, because that changes everything. And as, as the Holy Spirit brings to us the affections for Christ, and that brings our, our decisions and our behavior under the lordship of Christ and under the love of Jesus Christ. Now, notice verse 17, how it happens. He says, through faith. Okay, that's great. What does that mean? Oh, I have faith. You mean, oh, I have faith. Like, what, are you flaky or what? <laughs> no, faith happens as we study the word of God. And as we're studying the word of God, what is the Holy Spirit 
I hope and pray, doing right now, strengthening you in the inner man and the inner woman. It's in the pages of the Bible that we meet Jesus. It's in the pages of the Bible that we are guided by Jesus. It is in the pages of the the Bible that the Holy Spirit is strengthening our relationship with Jesus. And this is so important for us to remember, especially with people who are new to the faith. A lot of the people in our church came came to Christ in this church. You know I love you. You know you have a special place in my heart. But when you came to Jesus, you were a hot mess. And guess what? So was all of us. We, we, were, a, we were a hot mess. And, and the cleanup of that mess takes time. Not because of the Holy Spirit and his lack of power, but the sinful unwillingness sometimes of us to change. Certainly the experience of Christ and his love will help us to be at the end of verse 17 Rooted and grounded in love. Now these are, we talked about this Sunday, these are metaphors. We are deeply rooted like a plant. You know, do you ever see a tree that goes over in a a windstorm? And you're like, wow, that didn't have very many roots. But but other trees seem to stand and they're, they're, (laughs) they're wavering, but they're not going anywhere because they are deeply rooted and the idea of being grounded, being a building with a, with a firm foundation in love. But here's what we need to notice something. It's very important here. And, and this is why you have to understand Jesus. The move from strength to love, the Apostle Paul doesn't disconnect them. He doesn't go, you gotta, you were strong before, but now you got to be loving. No, he, he merges them together. That we are, we are strong and we are loving. And we need the Holy Spirit to be operative in our lives to be both. Now, it's very interesting. This is, I don't know, somewhat of a personal opinion, but I'd have to say it's a bit of an educated personal opinion here. It seems to me that the Apostle Paul is not talking about our love for Christ. It seems to me that he thinks that a big part of all of our problem and the Ephesian church problem and every believer's problem is not that we don't love Christ enough, although we probably don't, but the reason we don't, the problem is we don't grasp Christ's love for us. That's the problem. We don't appreciate Christ's love for us. And and the reality is, when we grasp the love of Christ, that radically changes the way we think. That radically changes the way that we live. That radically changes the way we pray. We stop praying for our stupid stuff that we want all of the time. And we start praying, as we're going to see in a bit, for the glory of God. That's why our prayer means are so boring because people are praying for stupid stuff i'm sorry there i said it people pray for stupid stuff the apostle paul is praying for reality he is praying for real things he is praying for the glory of god 
And so when we grasp the love of Christ for us, it changes the way we think, it changes the way we live, it changes the way we pray, and it, and it changes the way we serve one another and we serve our world. And to be honest, you're probably not even aware of it. Because it's no, your nature is completely changing. Listen to what David says a thousand years before Jesus lived. Psalm 143.8. Cause me to hear your loving kindness in the morning, for in you I trust. So what is he saying? I want to get up and I want to experience your loving kindness. And then he tells, shows us the react, the, what happens when you experience that. Cause me to know the way in which I should walk, for I lift up my soul to you. If you and I don't experience the love of Christ, we don't care about living for him. It doesn't matter to us. There is a way that seems right to a man, but the end of that way is death without the love of Christ. Galatians 2.20, the Apostle Paul says, I've been crucified with Christ it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me, and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. So here you have King David, the sweet psalmist of Israel, and the great apostle Paul, a thousand years apart, talking about an experience of the radical love of God that leads to radical living and a radical experience of God and a radical experience of faith. In other words, we live in faith. We walk in faith in response to God's love. Not trying to earn it. We got it. If we are in Christ, we have it. And we should be like the Apostle Paul, stunned by it. That God would love me? Are you kidding me? And stunned by his grace. That we experience his love. And we make our decisions and we live our life motivated by grace, motivated by love, because, and may I be corny for one second, we have been changed by love. And everything is different when we experience that. If you haven't experienced it, I understand why it could be confusing. I thought it was I'm supposed to, you know, gird up my bootstraps and do my best and, and be a good person. Well, you have fun with that. It's not going to feel natural unless we experience God's love. Now, there's an important balance that we have, to, we have to maintain here, and we talked about that in terms of the experience of the Holy Spirit that some of us have had. Again, some of us come from Weirdsville, and some of us come from Never Talk About Him'sville. And we want to be, in the, we want to be in, in the center of God's will. We want to maintain the balance. That's one of our themes in Calvary Chapel, is, is striking the balance and, and many of you, you've experienced those things that are beyond the word of God. Those things should be avoided. They, they should be avoided. I, I, we have to run all of our experience through the lens of the scripture. 
But that also means we should not be afraid of a legitimate experience of the Holy Spirit as we worship Jesus. As we worship Jesus. You've been listening to Changed by Love, the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel Morris Hills in Dover, New Jersey. Our hope and prayer is that all of our listeners would grow into committed followers of Jesus Christ. And we're overjoyed to play whatever role we can in helping you mature in your faith. Would you like to know more about us? Maybe you'd like to pass this message on to a friend or family member. If so, go to our website at www.changedbyloveradio.com. Maybe you have a question or need some guidance. We don't want to replace your pastor, but we are here to help. It's so easy to contact us. All you have to do is call, click, or write. Our phone number is 973-659-3380. That's 973-659-3380. Our email address is info at changedbyloveradio.com. And our mailing address is changedbylove, 158 West Clinton Street, Dover, New Jersey, 07801. Once again, that is Changed by Love, 158 West Clinton Street, Dover, New Jersey, 07801. You may be surprised to know how excited Pastor Jim and the Changed by Love radio team are to hear from you. In fact, it's common for Pastor Jim to pass on your encouragement to the congregation here in New Jersey, since we consider all our listeners part of our family. That's all the time we have for today. Our sincere hope and desire is that you will join us again next time on this radio station as we continue teaching the Word of the Lord. We here at Change by Love pray God's best to each and every one of you today. Until next time.